Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red, red wine to pina coladas. I'm your host, Allie, and today is Monday, January 18th. This is episode 14, and today is a mixed drink Monday, which means we're talking all things mixed drinks. So today we'll be talking about my top five bottles. These are my top five must-have on my bar at all times including my home bar and any bar that I set up for restaurants or uh, bar bars um, when I'm helping to set up a new venue. With each bottle, I'll give you a quick description, some tasting notes, and of course, I'll leave you with a little cocktail recipe at the end. We'll see if we get there. So let's jump on in. All right. Obviously, my number one is gin. Like I said last week, I absolutely love, 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 love gin. I have so many different bottles in my liquor closet right now that it would be hard to pick just one. As required, juniper should always be the most dominant flavor profile, but since every distiller is different, and sometimes it it does and can play second fiddle to some of the other flavors. So juniper can play second fiddle to some other flavors. These flavors can range from lemon zest to bright, refreshing herbs, like dill, to spices like coriander, and to more floral notes like lavender or butterfly pea. Just a note on butterfly pea. It's very popular right now in gin making. It's what makes gins look blue or purple. I'm sure you've seen them out there in the marketplace. I can think of at least three um, that I know of that have butterfly pea tea in them. Um, As for taste, it doesn't have much of one. It's pretty much just used as a coloring agent that's all natural. So you're getting that bright purple or blue color without adding any food colorings or preservatives to it. For bottles, I always have. My favorite distillery is a place that's mostly local to me in the city of Halifax um, by the name of Compass Distillers. I love their gins so much that I have all but one they've ever made. So of the probably 15 different gins gins that they make, I have 14 of them. Right now, I'm digging hardest on their gin royal. It's purple, made with the butterfly pea, royal jelly, and local honey. They also give back part of their profits to the local honey bee association, which is just super cool as far as I'm concerned. Now, I realize that getting a bottle from a small Nova Scotian distillery may be difficult for most of you, but a purple gin not only looks really slick on a bar, and it changes color when mixed with lemon juice, so it makes great cocktails when you're kind of looking to... Add a little something-something to your drinks that your guests are coming and enjoying at your house. For the more traditional amongst us, I'm currently loving both the Dorothy Parker gin and the Bombay Sapphire. So Dorothy Parker is from the New York Distillery. Um, it's got it's a tall, skinny bottle. It's very 1920s Art Deco-style bottle. Um, Bombay Sapphire, obviously from London. It's a square bottle, blue. I'm sure we've all seen it probably a million times in the liquor store or on a back bar um, somewhere. They both look great on a bar. Um, Bombay is a London dry style, but Dorothy Parker is a contemporary American or new Western style gin. 
So doesn't really fit into any of the categories that we're going to continue to talk about when we talk specifically about gin. Um, if there's one that you like when you're at a restaurant or a bar, feel free to ask them what they use. And then you'll know kind of what style that you yourself like. Bottle number two. I always have Campari on my bar. It is a given. There is no questions about it. I have been known to travel with a bottle of Campari. That's how much I love Campari. It's a bright red, bitter Italian liqueur. It's low ABV, so low alcohol by volume, and was originally developed in the 1860s as a digestif, so a liqueur, a liqueur that was used after a meal in order to aid digestion and to settle our tummies when we've had a little bit too much pasta. For taste, well, for starters, it's bitter. I'll drink it in a cocktail or with soda, and I'm not going to lie, when I was working trade shows for the distillery, Campari and Red Bull with a little bit of sweetener became a bit of a thing because we worked really long days. Um, but I struggle to drink it straight, so like on the rocks, not the greatest thing in the world. It's got a deep medicinal herb flavor, kind of like stems and roots, um, with hints of some citrus notes as well. Why is it a must-have on my bar or in my liquor closet? Well... It's a required component in so many fantastic cocktails, for starters, from the Negroni to the Garibaldi to the Jungle Bird. It's a pivotal part of so many classic cocktails, and much like Butterfly Pea, which gives things blue color, it gives great color to cocktails, um, so giving them a really nice bright red hue. Sometimes it comes out orange, depending on what you're mixing it with, and it looks great, again, on your bar. So a lot of times when you're developing a bar or when I'm developing a bar, I like to think about how things look visually as well as how things taste. So it's really awesome for me when things can have both of those components, when they can look beautiful and also taste great. Obviously, I'm not going to pick the bottle that tastes that looks beautiful and doesn't taste very good, but if I can find both those things in one bottle, I'm a really happy camper. Third bottle, there's always a bottle of scotch on my bar. Often there's actually a collection of them. Spoiler alert, next week's show is all about scotch because it's Robbie Burns Day. Um, I have a particular love for drinking scotch, especially on the rocks, which is a bit of a weird thing for a lot of people when I say that to them, um, mostly given my age and the fact that I'm female. But I'm kind of picky when it comes to scotch. I'm not a peat lover. So really smoky or peaty scotches aren't really my style. Right now, my bar is woefully low with just a bottle of Talisker on it. Um, and I think there might be a half bottle of Glenlivet somewhere in my closet, but I'm not sure. Anyways, Talisker is one of the ones that I, I really do enjoy having. It's an island scotch, meaning that it comes from the Northern Islands in Scotland. So it's specifically from the Island of Skye. Um, island scotch is often lumped in with Isla scotches, which is, Isla is another island in Scotland in the grouping of islands at the top end of Scotland. Uh, but Isla scotches tend to be a lot peatier than sky scotches or even Orkney scotches. So it's a little bit different. It's super smooth, a little bit smoky, but not overly so. 
with some people getting saltiness, so again, that grows together, goes together, a little sweetness, sweet maltiness, um, so the malt in it has a tendency to be sweet, some dry fruit notes with hints of white pepper as well. I usually also try to have at least one bottle of blended scotch on hand for cocktail making. Um, where, because let's face it, guys, single malt scotch can get a little bit pricey if you're using it for cocktail making. Not that there's anything wrong with using single malt scotch for cocktails, but personally, it's a little rich for my blood. In the liquor closet, I like to have either Dewar's White Label or Johnny Walker, um, usually the red label. I know that's kind of, you know, basic. Um, on hand so that they can be just used for making cocktails or if somebody's just trying to get into scotch, it's a nice kind of easy way to do this. All right, are you keeping track so far? We are on bottle number four. This one, hands down, goes to white rum. A girl's gotta have the right stuff to make a daiquiri on hand. I never really used to care what kind of white rum I had on hand and probably drank Let's face it, a lot of Captain Morgan in my day. Nowadays, though, I prefer to keep a bottle of Bacardi Superior or Bacardi White on hand. It's smooth with a tiny hint of sweetness. It's a great bottle for using in rum cocktails while not breaking the bank if someone comes over and just wants a rum and Coke. Bottle number five, a bottle of vodka. Personally, I could care less what brand I have, and I usually go for a local craft vodka. Um, I love supporting small local distilleries, especially during all this pandemic stuff where they're probably losing out on sales that they could be having at the restaurant and bar level. So I like to, you know, splash my money around a little bit when I can and support those local guys, uh, especially when they've supported me in the past. Some of the larger brands are great too. Not going to say that they're not, but really this is one that I keep around for guests. I keep a bottle around for that one friend we all have who only wants a vodka soda or a Moscow Mule when they come over. By definition, your vodka should be clear or colorless. It should be odorless and flavorless. It should also be between, should be around 40 to 45% alcohol by volume. Some, sometimes you find them a little higher, than, but they should definitely be no less than 40. I believe it actually technically is supposed to be 45. I should double check that. And sure, you can make great cocktails with it. A beet juice sour, so with beet juice and egg whites and lemon juice and vodka, is great. If not stereotyping every Russian export, a bit more than we probably should. So, you know, there's that too. All right, bonus round. Okay, here are four more bottles that I like to have on hand at all times. So... Those five, I definitely have to have. Definitely have to have gin. Definitely have to have Campari, some kind of scotch, white rum, and a bottle of vodka. From there, I also like to add in these four bottles as well. So to start off, we have dry and sweet vermouth. Put your vermouth in the fridge. Vermouth doesn't have a high enough alcohol content to be left out of the fridge. It will go off. You're better off buying in small bottle format and putting it in the fridge so that you don't have it go off. 
These are also essential for so many classic cocktails, it's not funny. The Negroni, the Martini, the Manhattan, just to name a few. This is one place where I will say splash out and buy a more expensive bottle. Martini brand is great, but Dolan or Antica are even better, and you'll see the quality and flavor profile of your cocktails increase just that much more as you're using better and better ingredients. Uh, When I worked in the distilleries, we used to say S-word in, S-word out. So when you put good things in, you get good things out. If you put bad things in, you get bad things out. There's only so much you can cover up with juice or sugar or citrus flavoring. All right, next bonus one, dark rum. What can I say? I live in the Maritimes. We're drunk rum drinking folks. I have to have dark rum. It's like a given when you live out here. I actually really like dark rum because it's a little more versatile than white rum. You can use it in cocktails, thinking a dark and stormy or a jungle bird, anybody. You can sip it on ice or, like they say, on the rocks because it tends to have a little bit more sweetness, a little bit more round of bodiness. It's a little bit easier to drink on ice. Or, again, it's easy if someone is over and they want a rum and Coke or a rum and ginger. That's a great way to point them towards Um, And you don't have to worry about it breaking the bank. So personally, um, I really like Cruzan. That's a personal flavor profile choice. There are tons of great dark rums out there. Um, Remembering that dark rum is sweeter because it gets its dark color by being sweetened with molasses. So they are inherently sweeter than white rum. You're not going to find a quote-unquote dry dark rum out there unless it's been colored with a lot of caramel coloring, which is what distillers can use in small amounts to give something a little more color, or they've dropped a whole bunch of chemicals in there to give it some color. So last, but certainly not least, a solid bourbon. A solid bourbon has to be on the bar, if I can have more than just those top five. Why? Um, Because they can be sipped on or they can be used in cocktails. My personal favorites right now, um, Buffalo Trace. It's a great entry bourbon for its price point. It's pretty smooth. It's pretty easy to sip on. It's great in cocktails. Uh, Basil Hayden's, if I'm looking for something to really just sip on, if I just want bourbon on the rocks. And Evan Williams, again, it's a great budget bottle. It's kind of crosses the line between Buffalo Trace and Basil Hayden's. Um, All of these... Bottles are solid bottles at decent price points. None of them are super oaky. None of them are super high in alcohol. And they're all super smooth, all super easy to drink with. So there we have it. My top five must-have bottles for my home bar and just about any bar that I set up for restaurants or for bars. I've done a few of them, so these really are ones that I have to have on the bottle and on on the shelves when I set something up, as well as a few bonus bottles for you. There's, of course, some personal preference. For example, you will notice that I didn't include a tequila or a mezcal. Sorry, Evan. Um, I'm not a huge agave fan. I don't like it. I've had some really, really nice tequilas and mezcals, some really expensive ones. I just don't like them. It's a personal thing for me. I can't stand them. So do I have a bottle of tequila in my home bar? Of course I do. 
I do cocktail competitions. I have to have a bottle of Padron in order to compete in the Padron Perfectionist. It's always there. Do I drink it? Nope. Not a chance. But of these ones, these are solid recommendations and solid bottles to look for when you're stocking your bar at the start. None of them are going to break the bank. They're all going to be great for making cocktails or just having a gin and tonic, a gin and soda, a rum and soda, or rum and coke, a vodka soda, scotch on the rocks. Uh, There's so much there that you can do with just those bottles that it's really a great place to start. So with that, we'll wrap up another episode. If you guys are loving the show, I would really appreciate it if on iTunes you could hit subscribe. And that will allow us to track how many of you are listening, how many of you are downloading, and it will allow us to grow the show a little bit more, or allow me to grow the show a bit more. When I say we, I mean myself and my dog. That's, that's me. That's we. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of me, whether it's to give me a question, a comment, a show topic idea, I'd love to hear what you guys want to talk about. You can... Do that in a couple of ways. You can send me an email at drinkswithally at gmail.com. So D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I at gmail.com. You can head on over to the website and you can fill in the contact form or on episode 14's page. Yep, 14. Just had to double check what episode number this was. Uh, You can leave a comment right there on the post for this blog or for this podcast, the website is drinkswithally.com. So again, D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I.com. Or you can hit me up with a direct message or private message on just about every social media platform. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, MeWe, Pinterest. I feel like I'm forgetting one. LinkedIn. You can find me, Ali Knip, if you want to hook up on LinkedIn. Um, Spotify, all there. They are all at Drinks with Ali. So with that, guys, I hope you fill your glass with something tasty this week. Cheers, everyone.